You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 466 of Podcateers. This week, an emotional screening of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Ming-Na Wen gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Disney releases a list of shows that will no longer be available as plans move forward to merge Hulu and Disney+. Plans for removal of a documentary are backtracked. A new live-action feature film is announced. Disney walks back plans to take Imagineering to Florida. And just over a year after launch, the Galactic Star Cruiser will be taking its final voyage. And of course, our Disney history segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, continues with 1963 and 1964. We'd love for you to join the conversation on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we invite you to join us on Discord. Joining the community is super simple. Just head on over to podcateers.com links and click on the Discord button to join the community. A very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of people known as the FGP Squad, our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that helped make these episodes of Podcateers possible. As part of the FGP Squad family, you get some additional perks like exclusive discount codes for Podcateers gear, additional content like the Podcateers after show, and access to our happy hour calls, just to name a few. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. So it's time to get the episode rolling. If this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome. We hope that you enjoyed the episode and that you come back for more. And of course, if you've been hanging with us for a while now, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 466 of Podcateers. I know I got a big old splinter yesterday and I just clapped on the splinter. <laughs> like, <Ouch>. Sore. <laughs> it was the longest splinter I've ever gotten. It was like a half an inch long. It went like around the side of my finger. It was Aww. very long. Luckily, it all came out in one piece. I don't know if anybody actually wants to hear Splinter talk. <laughs> Maybe we don't talk Surprise. about this. <laughs> hey, start of the episode. Splinter episode. And not but the rat from the though, Ninja dude. Turtle. It's <laughs> the wood one that you get in your finger when you don't wear gloves like I did. Well, there you go. Did you learn something? No, I I I get splinters like every probably once a week at least because I ah. I uh, don't wear gloves and I should wear gloves and I just don't. And then my hands are covered in cuts. Because there's holes from splinters and things, and <laughs> just got a couple extra you know, holes. You know, in situations like this, I try to ask my kids the question I just asked you. You know, whenever they uh-huh. go through something, they'll make a mistake, and I'll ask them, well, did you learn something from this experience? Because when I was a kid, instead of being asked, like, did you learn something, I would commonly get the, uh, well, maybe next time you'll learn yeah. <laughs> George Lopez joke. But did you die? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. So maybe I should have asked you that since you weren't wearing gloves. I never learn. I own multiple pairs of gloves. Well, may, I would say maybe next time you'll learn, but it sounds like I don't won't. think so. I think I was just dumb. All I or can think I... of is when you have to wash your hands and it's like it's got to 
remind it's mostly, you. <laughs> it's mostly like lazy, like more than anything. I go, well, the gloves, I have to remember to bring them with me to work. And then I got to put them on. And then what if I need to like, like, do something on my phone or use a pen because the gloves like you can't use a pencil very well with gloves on like construction gloves or like I don't know type on the computer I'm running all over the place so gloves are just annoying maybe I should get I used to have fingerless gloves which just protect they wouldn't have gotten uh protected me from the splinter but I guess it'd protect my palms from being dirty. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I I'm just I, a weird person. I don't know. I'm just wondering what the effort is like to take a glove off for three seconds, do what you got to do, and then slide the glove back on. It's so, what do you have to do it like 40 times a day? It like. <laughs> but, but I will say, if you need to write something, they do make construction pencils. I do have construction pencils there, big and square. Yeah, so you can use those. Well, then I get them, and then I lose them, and then I use a regular pencil, and then I'll use a Sharpie. And then I'll use a ballpoint pen, whatever I can find. A screw. I gotta mark something. That's a screw. I. It's. It's just a mess. It really is. I've. There's. There's yeah. no rhyme or reason to it. I. You know the the work gets done, and I get some splinters. I guess it's okay. <laughs> well, I guess it could be worse. It could be worse. Splinters. You could ask me to. You could ask me to paint. I'm the oh, I'm the messiest oh, painter on the planet. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I've been on the same boat. I've had to paint walls and ceilings are the worst. Like <laughs> I don't think I've ever met a ceiling that didn't leave everything else looking like a spotty mess. Well, I kind of have the same issue but different of which is just a different issue. Um no matter what I paint, I could I could take the brush and dip it in the paintbrush, the paint, the paint, and go swipe on the wall, and then I have it on my back and in my hair and under my shoe, and I was just like, it's everywhere, and so I literally don't know. I think the paint is like attracted to my clothing and my hair because I will be careful, and no matter what happens, there is paint on my clothes. It's you should have put a glove on your clothes. I have paint hot clothes. That's I've <laughs> that I do. If I have to paint, I will put the paint clothes on. So it's I don't know. I this the people have to be bored listening to me talk about paint and <laughs> splinters by now. Let's talk about Splinter from the Ninja Turtles. He's a rat that knows karate or something. Or no, I don't know what he knows. He knows something. He knows some kind of martial arts because he had to teach all the turtles. I think he knows Tai Chi. Is it? I believe I, so. I don't know much about I the I think Ninja he turtles. might know Tai Chi. Yeah. I mean, other than watching the cartoon He's when got it was a stick. on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's called a cane, but okay. I, I don't know. What? I thought he had like I thought he had like a I don't know. I've never watched the Ninja Turtles. I thought he had like a like a stick or something cuz he's a rat. No. So he like yeah, he had like a I'm, stick. I'm I pretty know. sure that he's just got a cane but uses it as a weapon. And uh, then Donatello does have a bow staff. So there is at least one character with a stick. So Let's see. Anywho. I'm looking it up. Uh, this one he's got like a sword. I don't know. What? Let, let's just move on. I don't know what this. I don't know what I'm looking at. All it could right. be nothing. Just say, let's point, not talk about B Splinter in any form. Wow. Well, from Splinter, let's go to another old timer. 
I guess. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Harrison Ford because we know that Indiana Jones is going to be coming out very soon, very soon. And Mel's excitement level is rising every 11. week. Yeah, <laughs> every day that passes, it's just rising more and more. Yep. Mel, do you want to talk about what happened with Harrison Ford and the screening of this uh, upcoming film? Yeah, of course. So the Cannes can Film... I'm being tongue-tied. Cannes Film Festival. There we go. Third time's a charm. <laughs> um, <laughs> just recently happened, and um, Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny was uh, premiered there. And after the uh, the movie was done, he you, you see this clip of everybody there just giving him a standing ovation. And... It's just I don't I didn't get to see the full clip, but what you see is Harrison Ford just looking around and being emotional, and he's he he looks like he's just he's grateful, and it's really nice to see that considering we were li- we were hearing that we weren't going to get another indie film. He wasn't you know excited about it. He didn't want to do anything, and um, so to see this happen was really, really touching. And we learn a little bit more about the film, saying that this is like the one film that's going to capture everything, all the emotions, pretty much tie in everything to give like Indy that final hurrah. So who knows what they saw that made them be like, standing ovation, well done, this is awesome. You know, just giving the guy, you know, the love. Again, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, considering this is the last time he's going to be Indiana Jones. That's reality. So it was really touching to see that. It was. Yeah. I don't know if either of you know this, but maybe you have some insight. I know that for a while, Harrison Ford was distancing himself from primarily Han Solo, I think. I don't know if he ever did it for Indiana Jones but did he ever for that franchise or was it just from Star Wars and the Han Solo character? You know what? That's a good question. I remember for the Han Solo one, yeah. As far as I know, he has always said, I am Indiana Jones. Like, there is no other Indiana Jones beside me. It's kind of like the Bible or whatever. I, I am the Lord thy Indiana Jones. There you thou go. shalt have no I other Indiana corrected. Jones besides <laughs> me. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's been his take. Is like That's, I think, one of his, or if not his favorite role to play is Indiana Jones. Um, and he's, you know, I think because... With with Spielberg and stuff, they kind of wrote things together and developed the character together and everything like that, that this was what he wanted to do, you know, that Indy is Harrison Ford. So as far as I know, um, other than the, like, debacle that happened that we've talked about before with the attraction and the Super Bowl, um, he's, as far as I know, been happy to play Indiana Jones and... and be fond of the character well with that context i guess the whole thing with the super bowl makes a lot more sense right because if he if he has that type of emotional connection to the character and he's invested that much in it it makes sense that when he saw the script and he saw what the show was he's like this is a piece of garbage i'm not a 
I'm not going to associate my character with this. So I get like it makes more sense now. But mm-hmm. what you were saying, Mel, about this being his last time playing the role and it could have just gotten to him. I like now knowing all of that, I really believe that that was it. Maybe he saw the film all together for the first time with everyone yeah, at that moment. Be. And he saw himself finalizing his run as Indiana Jones and that got him super emotional. And then it went into like what, like a five, six minute standing ovation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would get super emotional having a a run with a specific character for that long. Unless you're part of something like, I don't know, the Fast and the Furious, which seems to be going on for, what are they in? Fast and the Furious 97? Oh, I was going to say 20, but that, that sounds accurate. Okay, yeah. So Fast and the Furious 97, back behind the wheel finally. Um, yeah, I mean, there aren't many people that get a chance to play a character with the longevity of Indiana Jones, right? That's, you know, has attractions and stuff like that. So, man, I, I, I don't know. I've never been a huge indie fan to the level that you have been an indie fan. But I have to say the hype behind this final movie and now with this thing with Harrison Ford at the film festival I mean, if it got him that emotional, whether it's the last time he realizes he's playing this character or whether the film is that good, I, I feel like I need to watch this film. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I did find, uh, I was trying to remember where this, uh, I remember hearing this. It was a interview on the Today Show uh, in 2019. He said, don't you get it? I'm Indiana Jones. When I'm gone, he's gone. It's easy. Like that, he, he he is Indiana Jones. So, so see, we wow. weren't going to see Mutt be Indiana Jones unless there right isn't there. something in his contract, and Disney says, "Well, we beg to differ, sir." It's mm. I mean, once he's dead, anybody can do anything. Like it's all you know, whatever. I'm sure there's plenty of contracts in there, but it's kind of a uh, what do you what do I want to say? Like uh, doing a kindness or whatever. Like. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to you're Indiana Jones. Okay, grandpa. Like <laughs> <laughs> We got it. You get, you're Indiana Jones. We'll we'll do a I I'm still young Sala's easy peasy. We'll get that going. Coming uh, to the Hyperion Summer 2024 at California young, Adventure. Young the Sala Adventures the of Young Sala the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? If you saw hey, an interesting dream. character, solid <laughs> short round buddy comedy or something, oh. I don't know. We can. There's all kinds of stuff out there, dude. If all of a sudden we start seeing Solo the musical appear in places, I'm gonna ask for a royalty check again. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we have movie wise going on? Oh, Ming Na Wen. Yeah. is going to be getting a star on the Walk of Fame. I mean, this, uh, I feel, is one of those that at this point is overdue, right? Because oh, we yes. saw her get a Disney Legend Award and everything, and everything she's been in has just been fantastic. Yeah. Do they? When we were talking about the Carrie Fisher star, I know we were doing some random research on what it costs and who has to submit it and, and all that stuff, right? Was the, I don't remember reading. Is there a limit to how many people can get a star yearly? Oh, that's a good question. 
because I'm I don't know if we if that was part of our research at all. But when is she getting her star? That's uh, May thirtieth. May thirtieth. So it'll be next week. Yeah. Okay. According to the website, there are an average of thirty stars selected per year. All right. Oh, I mean, wow. that's a good amount. But it's a it, it's kind of across the board, right? It's not just film or TV. It's also other disciplines yeah, as well right music 30, and, all and, across the board yeah 30 stars got in it. general seems like it's so crazy i didn't know I, I do remember this i didn't know how many were there but i if you're on the site andrew you mm-hmm. may know the answer to this so don't blurt it out if you know it do you Spaghetti. know damn it you got it before i even asked it uh do you know how many stars are on the walk of fame or what star number ming na wens will be See, this is cheating, and I'll tell you why. Because <clears throat> I have the picture in front of me of her ah! tweet, and I could see it. <laughs> I could have played psychic, but I was like, no, I have to be okay. honest here. <laughs> All right, what is it? It's 2,757th. Yeah. So, yeah. I had no clue there was almost 3,000 stars on the wall. Neither did I. <laughs> For some put reason, a lot of information out there. Yeah, for some reason in my head, it's like this tiny two-block strip or something, and I know it's much <laughs> bigger than that. But in my head, they always glamorize that that section of where the the Chinese theater and the El Capitan is, maybe across the street where the Ripley's the, and the Wax Museum are and stuff like that, and the Jimmy Kimmel and the Jimmy mm-hmm. Kimmel section, right? <laughs> and yeah. so after that. It's kind of like, oh right, it expands past this, but nobody seven eleven sections and, <laughs> and like a like a I don't know what other stuff is on there. Some restaurant, yeah. No, I'm in front, I'm front of, of an things. apartment building on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Woo! Oh, <laughs> so uh, her star will be. Uh, in front of the Dolby Theater. Oh, is the the Chinese theater is now the Dolby Theater, right? The Grumman's no, Chinese. No, those are two separate. The Dolby are they two is, separate theaters? The Dolby Theater yeah, is where the where the Oscars are held. Yes. The big. Huge, oh, okay, 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 okay. That's the Dolby, right, right, I believe. Right, and the El Capitan is right across the street from the Dolby and the Hard Rock because Jimmy Kimmel films right next to the El Capitan, right? Mm-hmm. Across the street, I think, right. Is it across the street? Yes. I thought I think it was next door the, to it. I think he's across the street from... Because he he's in the building from... with the pillars, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, the building with the pillars is right next to the El Capitan, I think. Oh, yes. across sorry, it's from across the Dolby. Fr- uh, it is. It I is across. Know. Yeah. The point is that you're going to see gonna look fake Spider-Mans, on Google Maps. fake Hulks, <laughs> Avengers walking all Avengers. around. <laughs> And somewhere in the mix, you're going to see the 2,757th star on the Walk of Fame for Ming-Na Wen. May 30th. Congratulations. Very well deserved. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? There was a good amount of news this week. I'm trying to like sort it all in my head, right? Because there was park news. There was... Uh, crazy political Disney park news, which we'll get into later. Uh, we had, oh, so follow up. We got a list of some of the shows that are going to be leaving Hulu. Uh, we talked about the Hulu and Disney Plus merger that was going to be happening. And uh, Andrew, you sent us a link with some of the first shows that are going to be leaving the service. You kind of nailed a couple of the shows. 
just from your experience watching them. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I don't want to be like the the harbinger of death or something, but yeah, it's just some of them. I I don't remember what I've talked about. Like Andor seems to still be on there, and I haven't watched that one yet, so uh, that one I guess is safe. But Big Shot, Turner and Hooch, uh, Mysterious Benedict Society, Mighty Ducks, Willow, uh, Diary of Future President. The World According to Jeff Goldblum, uh, The Cheaper by the Dozen, the 2022 remake, Stargirl, Artemis Fowl. I mean, I'm not listing all of them, but there's a lot of Earth to Ned, which uh, once I saw that it was leaving, I started watching. And it was very funny. Um, a Dog's Life with Bill Farmer, which was a fun show. Um, yeah, the, the Pentatonics Christmas show. Uh, Harmonious Live, which was weird. Like, there's over 50 things leaving both disney plus and hulu um and it's hard to you know you brought up the writer's strike and it you know it seems like things are leaving uh i i saw some videos of of people talking about well you these which i don't understand because according to like when hbo did it they took shows off and said it was for tax write-off purposes but somebody was like they can't write a tax write shows off if they're already released as a tax write-off um so the reason that they're but anyways that's what they're saying that you can't uh write tax use shows that already been released as a tax write-off but what they can do is save money by not airing them uh and not having to pay residuals if it's not uh airing so they don't have to pay writers residuals or actors or anything uh, residuals with these shows if they're not airing anywhere um, and they're not okay. selling them on physical media etc because that was going to be my next question is when it comes to the show itself obviously it's digital content right it's not like a physical dvd or anything that netflix used to send out to people where you got the mail you have the envelope that it's going you have the return mail you have the physical item that would need to be replaced if something happens so this is just digital media it, it can live on any hard drive really and get hosted however so the cost can't really be associated with that all too much it has to be associated with the residuals they have to pay and you know the actors the production company and all that other stuff uh, but it's just it's horrible to see because, uh, uh, look, honestly, I don't think I was ever going to watch Willow. I'll just be straight up with you. I don't <laughs> think I was ever going to watch Willow. I didn't like the Willow movie, so there was no way I was going to watch a Willow TV show. But I know there's people out there that would have watched Willow. And what's even worse is that Willow's one of the newer TV shows that was coming to Disney Plus or it was out already, wasn't it? Or was yeah, it scheduled? Yeah, it was out. Okay. No, everything had been released already. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't been out that long. And imagine spending all that time working on a show only for it to be released a, a week or two or a month or whatever it was. And then <clears throat> Disney pulling it. And then it's just not going to exist. You know? And this, like, I get the whole idea of removing them. But... Like, I don't know if this is a forever thing or if this is a maybe once things get better, we'll bring it back or at an anniversary or something. But 
I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, there was a bunch of Disney Channel shows that either were pulled from Disney Channel and were just never heard from again. Uh, like there's cartoons that just kind of live in people's minds because they only aired once. Like I'm the type of person that believes in archiving stuff, which is why I'm a huge fan of like the Internet Archive and Archive.org and stuff like that. Uh, because I do think that if you're not going to put it anywhere and if the company that owns it is at the point where they're saying like, well, we're just going to, you know, cut our losses on this. I feel like instead of just losing out, like everyone losing out on it, they should go back to the production company or they should go back to whoever would be next in charge right or whoever owned it before or something and be like hey we're gonna pull this from our service we and the reasons are xyz we don't want to pay the writers we don't want to pay the actors we don't want to pay anything on this anymore make us a deal and take this property off our hands right because then at that point it can live somewhere you know it, it won't be lost which I, I feel is one of the worst things that can happen to something where it just it gets erased from existence. And then, you know, 10 years from now, you have those YouTube conspiracy videos. Whatever happened to Willow on Disney Plus? It yeah. just it's it's horrible. There was a lot of people that worked on something like that. So I wish that the studios would do a better job of renegotiating with some of the owners of the property or I mean, I, at this point, Disney owns it, right? But maybe mm -hmm. selling it to the next person in line or something or offering it to them before it just becomes nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, unless they have some grand plan of, like you're saying, releasing... I, are they trying to bring back the vault? I, I mean, these, these uh, shows don't feel like stuff that is, like, worth to be, like, in a vault and be like, we're excited, bring... Hot shots or whatever that John Stamos show was called. Back yeah. in the back out of the vault, we need another season of John Stamos coaching basketball. Like, I get it. Like, so you know, I don't know. But it's stinky uh no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't like the situation at all. But uh I hope that the writer strike gets settled soon. I hope they can come to some kind of agreement because Look, the last time this happened, we ended up with reality TV. And reality TV has been the downfall of society. <laughs> I hate to say it. I want to live it I'm again. Done with reality TV, man. We need some good content. Some original stuff, too. Well, Please. and there's, I mean, not to bring anybody down, but there is apparently a, a burgeoning uh, director's strike. Oh, they, no, and, not that. And a burgeoning actor's strike. Oh, jeez. Oh. Yo, this is getting out of hand, man. Hollywood just needs to get their act together. Just pay everyone. Jeez. Just, yeah, right? just pay people just money. Pay you everyone. have enough just money. Just pay people the money, and then you will make money. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Maybe there's some, like, cool thing that we could lobby so that Disney does it because if you've ever wondered if Disney's listening, they do listen, right? If enough people make noise about something, they will listen. 
a lot of changes that have happened in the parks over the last six months especially are because people got pretty vocal and they started to speak with their wallets about those changes. And so uh, whether you speak with your wallet or you get loud enough that Disney hears, like the best example is with all of this stuff that's changing on Disney Plus and on Hulu, you know, with all of the announcements of the things getting canceled, one of the things being removed from the service was the Howard documentary uh, about Howard Ashman that Don Hahn worked on. And people were just livid about it. They were not having it. And so people spoke up and Disney was like they took a step back and they were like, OK, we will not remove this from the service. So if something has a big enough fan base and you get, you know, respectfully vocal about it, Disney will listen. They will make changes, but it has to be a change that that makes sense, obviously. And in this one, it just makes sense for them to keep it. So uh, so that's a positive so far as, uh, you know, we have a lot of negatives that have been changing uh, on the service and stuff. But uh, that is definitely a positive. Let me ask you with this, with all these other strikes that are happening you know, I don't know if it's going to affect the development of anything new, but didn't we just get uh, an announcement that bed knobs and broomsticks was coming? Yeah, that's my that's my reaction is, yeah, I'm done with live remakes. I really am. And it's just it's just a lot. It's we we just cut back on so many other shows, but we're going to have this and it's like okay i i get it um i don't know i i'm i haven't been keeping tabs of like which movie has done really really well the only one i could think of is cruella and that was pretty much maybe because it was like the most original film so yeah i'm i'm yeah <laughs> Yay, live yeah. remakes. I mean, Woo. there's a reason they do these is because they've all made a billion dollars. Like, I mean, the Beauty and the Beast, Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, uh, the Cruel. I mean, uh, Lion King, like they yeah, Aladdin, like they all made a billion dollars. So they're like, why would we not do these things? But I'd have to say that of all the remakes this one is at least somewhat interesting. Like it's 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 a under uh, valued property, a kind of out of left field thing. It's it's kind of uh, uh, B Mary Poppins. Like the, if Ben Ops and Broomsticks was developed um, just in case uh, Mary they didn't get the rights to Mary Poppins, so it's very similar to Mary Poppins. Um, and then they released it, uh, at, you know, Furies after Mary Poppins. Um, so it kind of has a similar vibe and things like that. It's a, you know, good film. It's fun. A bed that flies around and the lady's a witch or something. I don't remember. Yeah. But, you know, it's already a live action movie. So it's there. It's just being remade, which, you know, there, there are some things that I think like this, you know, if if they announced tomorrow they said live action Atlantis remake, I think we would all be, you know, pretty excited about that. Hold the phone. I, now. I would. 
That I would. <laughs> Hold the so phone. The, so that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I, there, I think there are some things that, yes, there people are getting tired of them. I'm getting tired of them. I just don't see them, and it's fine. But I think <laughs> there are some that that are worth taking a second look at, especially like undervalued things, like animated stuff, like 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 Atlantis, or maybe even like the Sword in the Stone, or or. Uh, uh, the Black Cauldron, things like that that are that could have a another life because they were good stories but undervalued at the time. I mean, even that, it, and it's also like Disney has been doing remakes like for a hundred years, not a hundred years, but pretty close. Like, just think about like the uh, Flubber, like. That's a remake of The Absent-Minded Professor, which was a movie from the 60s, and then they remade it in the 90s or whatever. And the same thing with, like, the 101 Dalmatians in the uh, 90s. They, they've been doing them forever. Jungle Book, same way. Like, it, because the stories are good. Now, I do agree that there's just, like, fatigue. They're doing too many at, at a time. It's like every year it seemed like there was another one. But... My point that I keep saying is I, th I I think this one out of all the ones is at least somewhat interesting of a choice to be redone. I have to Not say, like though, <laughs> I have to say, though, that you mentioned one that has gotten on my list of I wish Disney would make remakes uh, as of recently. And as of recently, I mean, literally in the last few weeks that I've been playing Hogwarts Legacy. And that is the Black Cauldron. That the whole wizards and dragons flying around and, you know, having this whole magical aspect to the film. I really do think that if they found the right director and the right cast. Like, look, we're, we've been seeing the trailers for the new Haunted Mansion movie now for the last month or two, right? We just, last week, we got trailer number two. And you can tell that it's such a departure from the original Haunted Mansion film that I, like, I'm already so in, entangled in this film. I love it so much, and I haven't even seen it yet. And I can already mm -hmm. tell you that I love it way more than the Eddie Murphy version. So mm -hmm. I feel like with the Black Cauldron, like you talk about you know, films that were just underappreciated in their own time. That's definitely one of them. I, I cannot disagree or I cannot agree with you more on that. So if there was a live action version of that one, but they found just the right formula with director and cast where they gave it that grittiness that they're giving the Haunted Mansion and they gave it a really good like a really good story to tell that's entwined with that original Black Cauldron. Oh, man, dude, that with the popularity of the whole wizard franchise this it would be such a popular film i know that they wanted percy jackson to become like their next big franchise but they could do a wizard thing and the black cauldron could be like the beginning of that yeah well and the yeah the horn king is a, such a good villain mhm mm it's so Man. so dark i mean if yeah. you look if guillermo del toro if you're listening there you go <laughs> if you have time <laughs> here's your next project since you decided Perfect. on anyway yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know the whole bed knobs and broomsticks uh you know it was i, I liked it 
I I guess I'll I'm gonna end up watching it, and you know it'll just be a film that's on Disney Plus at some point. But as long as we don't start hearing announcements like and starring as King Leonidas, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh jeez. <laughs> you know I think yeah. we'll be okay as long as we don't hear <laughs> stuff like that. Not that I have anything against the Rock, but you know. No, it's just we need yeah. a little break, like a tiny yeah. one. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get into some more Disney news in a moment. But before we do, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by a fantastic group of listeners known as the FGP Squad. Uh, we like to call them our podcast fairy godparents, but they've dubbed themselves the FGP Squad. And it kind of stuck because we like it. Uh, being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks like access to our happy hour calls, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, random giveaways, discount codes for Podcasters gear, and more. Uh, if you have any questions on becoming part of the FGP Squad family, you can uh, shoot us a message over on Instagram, Facebook, uh, or you can join our Discord. Joining our Discord is super simple. Head over to podcasters.com slash links. You will find a link to join our Discord there, including a link for the FGP Squad. On that page, you'll find some information about the FGP Squad, what it's all about, a link to our Patreon, some of our top contributors, um, and more. So again, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have. And of course, to all of the members of the FGP Squad family, we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Uh, okay, so a couple of the big news items from this last week came. I mean, one of them I don't think was a surprise. So we'll start with that one. Uh, and it was the announcement that Disney has decided that they are no longer going to continue with this $1 billion project that they had started uh, on this new complex where they were moving Imagineering to Florida. Now, this was a really big deal about a year or so ago because uh, when this kind of first was announced and the idea of moving Imagineering over to Florida came about, Disney reached out to a lot of Imagineers. And as a lot of them were going back to the office, Disney said, look, you have an option. You can either part ways with the Disney company or you can relocate to Florida. And it was it was a really sad time because we lost a lot of really great Imagineers at that point. You know, a lot of them just quit because they weren't ready to relocate themselves or their families to Florida. Uh, but a lot of them did make the leap. They sold their homes in California. They bought new homes in Florida, expecting for this project to go through full relocation. And now Disney has canceled it. You know, the, the the horrible thing about this, to me, isn't as much that the project is canceled. I know that there's a lot of things going on with the Disney company and Florida and stuff like that. It's the back and forth for all of the Imagineers and all of the cast members who this has affected in really severely major ways, right? Because especially for all those that sold their homes in California to move to Florida, Who's to guarantee that they're going to find a home similar or better or even comparable to what they had to sell in an area that they want if they move back to California? Because if if they're not if Imagineering's not moving to Florida, it's obviously going to stay in California, at least for now. Right. 
So what are your thoughts on this one? Because this one, I felt super sad, but also kind of heated about the whole thing when it, when it was oh, announced. Oh, no, you're not alone. You're, you're not alone. Um, when the, nose, the, the, the news broke, I, I kind of had the same feeling. And I had that feeling beforehand, too. Like before they had to, before they were told that they had that option of relocating to Florida. I, I felt bad because it's it's a transition. Like you have to do all this stuff in order to prepare, move, do all this stuff. It's just, it's kind of like starting over. And mm-hmm. it, it just, it also seemed like at the time things were kind of uncertain because there was so many changes happening at the time. It just seemed like a scary, a scary situation to be, you know, be a part of. Um now, when the news broke, it was more like anger because these these Imagineers are, you know, yeah, they're part of the cast member family. And it's like, it stinks to know that they were given this and now they're in Florida. They've cemented their feet. It's like, how are, how is Disney going to help them out with this? And if anything, I really do hope that the company takes care of them. It's a really unfortunate thing that they were given this choice and stick with the company. Uh, it's just, it's hard. It's it's hard. It's difficult. Um, I just hope that the tra- they're going to be taken care of. That's pretty much it. That's all we pretty much want for them is take care of their talent, you know, don't lose anybody else because we lost so many good people and talented people and it's it's sad it's yeah not so fun yeah yeah move move them back to la pay for everything buy them a house like do whatever you need to do email all the people you screwed over and lost and see if they want their jobs back like they they need to make this right somehow uh, because it was a dumb JPEG move to to move everybody to Florida. And now they're, you know, paying the price of having to deal with all this. And uh, what we could have just like stayed and it would have been fine and everything. They could just ship stuff to Florida when they need to. Like, who cares? And have some hotels like you have so many hotels you can put Imagineers in while they're working on projects in Florida. Like, yeah, it's not a big deal. You own like 50 hotels or whatever yeah. <laughs> in the vicinity of the place that you are in theory building things. So it, yeah, it's, it's dumb that it happened in the first place. So yeah, hire people back, move them back to California if they want to, if they don't want to figure out a way to keep them on in Florida, if they've decided to stay in Florida, you know, maybe they're from from Florida and they moved back and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Make you they got to make it right. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, a huge hit to Imagineering. Um, but I mean, as long as 
you know, I don't know where they're going next, right? Obviously, when Bob Iger was brought back on board, one of the biggest things that he was tasked with was trying to save the company, what was it, like $5 billion? And part of all of the layoffs that they were going to be doing over the course of several months were going to contribute to saving that money in the long run. And I remember they talked about uh, not affecting cast members, at least not like frontline cast members that you would see in the parks or anything. But I didn't like this. I didn't see them canceling this. But in a way, you kind of saw this one coming because of the issues that they've been having with Florida. Like this was the more predictable of the two pieces of news that we're going to be talking about. Uh, the other piece of news that dropped, which, you know, it, it, it came up on our discord. We used the phrase earlier and people were using it for this was, you know, who had on their bingo card that the Galactic Star Cruiser would be closing this year, you know, soon after it opened. And. This is a this one's a weird one for me because you know Disney was so again to use one of their words they were so bullish on pushing the galactic star cruiser on people and pushing the the crazy amounts of money that it costs for a weekend for a family and not really ever budging on that price you know, there were so many people that wanted to go. There were so many people that wanted to experience this. And for the most part, I feel like the majority of people that had the best experience were all the ones that got a chance to stay for free that ended up reporting on the experience for their vlogs and blogs and articles and stuff. Uh, your thoughts on the Galactic Star Cruiser closing? <laughs> Sorry. Um it's one of those things. This was like a weird project where it's like, I don't know. It was just bad timing. Um, had the hotel been open when Galaxy's Edge first opened, maybe a different story. Maybe a different story. But we're talking past COVID and everyone's just, we're, a lot of us are, you know, finding it a little bit hard to go back to the parks and whatnot. Why would a stay be over $3,000? I don't get it. So that wasn't a smart idea at all. Um, and then to hear, what was it? Like a, a few months ago? I want to say a few months ago. Um, there was reports that they could only, they were trying to fill in rooms that were like, what 25 percent full i would say and mm -hmm. they had discounts as well and that wasn't helping at all it was just one of those things where this is the biggest loss i would say the company maybe one one of the biggest loss. i don't know all the biggest losses so i can't really say that but it was not doing good and it was only open what 14 months i want to say roughly about 14 months March 1st of last year is when it opened. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's the expensive superstar limo. That's all I could think of. It's like that's unless you could salvage it. That's the most expensive attraction they've made that didn't last long. Yeah. It's yikes. uh yeah, it's uh yikes is right. It's uh you know, I think in their words they say this was a 
a experiment on something, blah, 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 trying to cover their butts of. We thought this, everybody likes new Star Wars. And if they would have just like said, hey, old Star Wars, I'm sure it would have been a bigger hit with because here's the thing like yeah maybe new star wars is a hit with kids but who has money not kids currently old people got money and they like old star wars so it might have been wiser to make it old star wars and not new star wars like i like new star wars just fine and i like old star wars just fine but you know they're trying to tag it in with galaxy's edge and Maybe they figure out some time travel thing. I don't know. But it, it seems to me like they they are really all in on because they invested all this money in Lucasfilm and bought, you know, did these Star Wars movies that, well, we're making sure the brand is aware and synergy and uh, whatever other buzzwords, you know, magic wish, uh, dream, wonder. whatever, wonder, <laughs> wonder's the new one. That one's, yeah. that one's not one of the old tropes, oh, which is bad. nice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, believe and, and, you know, whatever, all the magic key names. Uh, but, but I digress. Uh, or maybe I don't, who knows? Um, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's going to be interesting what happens to this. There's been some speculation from people saying like, well, they should just turn it into like they just have the restaurant and the other things open and have some pathway from Galaxy's Edge because they're fairly close. Like it's just like outside Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios. You know, it's not you could walk it um, or have that shuttle bus just like make a bunch of those shuttle buses and. You know, you go there and they have a big restaurant and they have a bunch of other shops and it's kind of like an outpost thing or whatever for Galaxy's Edge. Or they turn it into Spirit Halloween. I don't like I don't know what what happens. It's something happens to it. Who knows? Uh, big experiment. You can't really do much with a building with no windows in it. You can't just turn it into a regular hotel. <laughs> yeah. And that's that I think is the biggest issue with the property right because if it did have windows you could very easily convert it into another hotel oh, yeah. or something uh and you know more people i think would be open to it this i don't know the entire thing just seems so weird to me because instead of budging on the price and instead of making it more accessible they just said forget it we're just folding over on this one and it's un it's unlike Disney to just give up on something that they just spent so much money on. Right. I've seen them mm -hmm. concede to other things before, which is why this one just doesn't make sense. Like why not concede to the pricing a little bit, make it more accessible. Maybe what we've talked about with galaxy's edge, like you mentioned, Andrew, make it old star Wars, you know, bring in some of those old characters to give the experience that people really wanted, you know, and, and just go from there. You can recuperate some of the loss. They wanted to recuperate so much so quickly that now they're losing everything. And so in my head, I'm wondering if, you know, we talk about some of the things that, that are being removed from Disney plus and Hulu we talked about how that was possibly this move to 
you know, claim it on their taxes or something like that. What if they end up demolishing it and claim it on their taxes as just, you know, Mm -hmm. to take the, the tax break on it instead? Because then, you know, they could just build something else or expand the park. Will they do it? I don't know, given all of the issues that they have with Florida right now and all the, you know, the land and property issues that they have going on with Florida's governor. I'm sure that building something else would be difficult if they chose to demolish it. So maybe the the restaurant and pathway is the best thing to do with it right now. It just seems so weird that they decided to just call it quits and not help everyone that wanted to go and experience it a little bit. The other thing is, you know, this $5 billion that they're trying to save, they said that it wasn't going to affect cast members. And unless you're going to relocate all of the members of the Galactic Star Cruiser, all the cast members that worked on there to other positions in the park, it is now affecting cast members. You know, well, so... I'm sure they I'm sure they can because I believe if I'm not mistaken there is like a a shortage of hotel employees across the board, so I'm sure okay. they can easily at least for general hotel staff, but there's also and like cooks and things, but there are also entertainers and right. and you know other people that are doing things there. So hopefully that they will be able to move everybody to a position and keep them at their same rate of pay and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to minimize the, the, the blow of, Hey, this thing is closing by the way. (laughs) So weird, man. So weird. I mean, they spent 2 billion on both, uh, both galaxies edges, you know, for Mm -hmm. each coast. Yep. And then yeah. the additional 350 million I think to build the Star Cruiser, right? It was just under half a billion to build it. <sighs> I don't know. It's it's a really weird time, man. So, uh yeah, leave your thoughts in the uh Instagram post or uh join us over on Discord if you want to continue this conversation. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts. This was definitely one of the most surprising things that we've heard from the Disney company. I still think they could have saved it by just tweaking the prices a little bit. Uh, There was an ongoing joke, especially amongst uh, a lot of travel agents that, you know, would basically tell people, look, hey, uh, you can totally do two days at the Star Cruiser or you can spend less and go on a Disney cruise for a whole week. You know, right. so you go to Hawaii over there. It must yeah. have just been that much to operate. Like it there the only reason I would think that they are not budging on the price is it must have been that expensive to operate. There there's got unless they're like, okay, well, overhead, you know, this operation cost and it has to make this much money to pay itself back kind of thing. I don't know. But it must have just been like the most expensive thing on the planet to operate if they couldn't bring that price down. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It could have. Makes uh, sense. I know that uh, they had already changed things where it already didn't feel or was starting to not feel premium. I know that some of the food, uh, a lot of people were posting some of the food options and they just didn't look appetizing. They looked pretty generic, you Mm. know, so... Uh, uh, they did have their specialty things, right? But 
for the most part, it didn't look like it was fully premium. So I don't know. This is a really strange one. But again, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Join the conversation. Leave a comment on the Instagram post for this episode or join us over on Discord. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the closing of the Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, everything that's been happening with the Disney company, the, cl- the closure or the cancellation rather of the new campus in Florida. And what do you think Disney should do about all those Imagineers that relocated to Florida, sold their homes in California, etc.? cetera? Uh, leave your thoughts. We'll continue the conversation there. So I think it's time to start wrapping up the episode. And of course, we like to wrap it up while Disney is celebrating their 100 years of wonder with our own little tribute segment talking about Disney history with the one and only the great Mr. Andrew. And they are great moments with Mr. Andrew. Ah, ah, he's so great. He's here. It's Mr. I don't know. That's a big loud. <laughs> that's a big crowd. I don't know why they sound uh, like whispery and far away. Uh, but anyway, well, maybe they are. Uh, maybe they are there. It's just I have like a, a little crowd here in my palm of my hand. There's a thousand people Ooh. there, but they're all miniature. Yeah. And also imaginary. <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyway, uh, this the, the years, the great moments with Mr. Andrew. That's me. Uh, we're going to cover the years 1963 and how appropriately 1964 uh for 1963 the films released in 1963 on january 16th son of flubber february 20th fantasia is reissued march 29th the miracle of the white stallion on june 1st savage sam on june 19th a reissue of Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea july 7th summer magic October 30th, The Incredible Journey. December 11th, The Three Lives of Thomasina. And uh, I think, I, hopefully I said that right. Uh, anyway, and December 25th, The Sword in the Stone. Uh, for TV in 1963, on May 26th, Disney is awarded an Emmy Award for Outstanding Program Achievements in the Field of Children's Programming for the Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color show. Uh, 22 episodes of The Wonderful World of Color air on NBC in 1963. For Disneyland in 1963, on June 23rd, Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room opens at Adventureland. This is the first attraction with sophisticated audio-animatronic figures, 225 of them. It was personally financed by Walt Disney and required a separate ticket to see the show, which cost 75 cents for adults. Uh, Also this year, topiary plants first appear at Disneyland. Uh, United Artists released the film uh, 40 Pounds of Trouble, which uh, some scenes were filmed at Disneyland. Um, And the Haunted Mansion facade is built also in 1963. In November, uh, Walt takes uh, a plane trip across the U.S. to make final selection on the location for a second theme park. Central Florida is chosen as to not compete with the areas on the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico. On November 22nd, following the assassination of President Kennedy, Disneyland is closed for the rest of the day. Other notable events of 1963. The company is hard at work developing attractions for the 1964 World's Fair. In March, a delegation from St. Louis meets with Walt Disney uh, at the Disney Studios to discuss a possible theme park in their city. 
um, early in or mid in uh, 1963, Pepsi Cola asks Walt to create a pavilion for the 1964 World's Fair, uh, which is a little late in the game. Uh, in October, just seven months before the fair, uh, Walt dropped a bombshell on Bob Gurr and tells him that he wants him to be in charge of uh, figuring out the Lincoln animatronic. Uh, also in 1963, Walt Disney's 1953 contract with Walt Disney Productions is extended for 10 more years, covering his ownership of the Disneyland trains and monorail and his royalty payments. A George Foster Peabody Broadcasting Award is won by Disney for the TV show Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. And Walt Disney purchases a Grumman Gulfstream 1 airplane as a corporate plane. Uh, birthdays for 1963, January 4th, Dave Foley, February 17th, Larry the Cable Guy, March 27th, Quentin Tarantino, April 26th, Jet Lee, May 25th, Mike Myers, July 30th, Lisa Kudrow, August 1st, Coolio, August 9th, Whitney Houston, August 19th, John Stamos, November 3rd, Brian Henson, November 20th, uh, Disney legend Ming-Na Wen, and hey, December 18th, Brad Pitt. Uh, so that's the end of 1963. And in 1964, for films, the films released in 1964, January 22nd, The Misadventures of Merlin Jones, March 12th, A Tiger Walks, July 8th, The Moon Spinners, July 29th, Walt Disney's True Life Adventure Festival, December 18th, Emil and the Detectives. And I left this one at the end because it's, you know, came in the middle of the year. But August 27th, Disney's live action and animated film Mary Poppins premieres at the Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. It Yay. is based on the Mary Poppins book by P.L. Travers. The film costs $5.175 million to produce, uh, the most money spent on a Disney film to date. The film received universal acclaim from critics and earned uh, $31 million in uh, theatrical rentals uh, in the United States and Canada during its initial run. It is uh, It was one of the 12 top grossing films in the United States for 32 weeks in a row. Um, for 1964 in TV, uh, the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences uh, awards an Emmy Award for Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction and Science. What happened to my voice there? Anyway, Art Direction and Scenic <laughs> Design to Carol Clark and Marvin Davis for Walt Disney Studios and Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color TV show. For Disneyland in 1964, in February... 36 Disneyland cast members create an official certificate of membership in the Order of the Red Handkerchief. Eligible members are those who had operated the mine train through the Rainbow Caverns. Uh, 256 cast members become members. On February 22nd, the Below Decks Museum attraction opens on the sailing ship Columbia. In March, the Ruggles China and Glass House opens on Main Street. Also in 1964, the Jungle Cruise is expanded with a trap safari and African veldt region. Uh, John Hench creates a sketch of a proposed new thrill attraction for Tomorrowland called Spaceport, which would later become Space Mountain. The Autopia in Tomorrowland is redesigned. The name of the Mickey Mouse Club Theater is changed to the Fantasyland Theater. On August 7th, the Astro Jets is renamed Tomorrowland Jets. The name of the Circorama Theater is changed to Circle Vision. And this year, the Christmas in Minilands Parades is held for the last time at Disneyland. 
And uh, I have a special section for the World's Fair in 1964 uh, on August, or sorry, on April 16th, the Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln exhibit uh, for the World's Fair passes testing at WED Enterprises headquarters in California. And on April 17th, it is shipped from California to New York. And on April 22nd, the New York's World's Fair opens for the 300th birthday of New York City. Uh, Walt Disney's uh, WED Company constructed pavilions for Ford, which was the Magic Skyway attraction, General Electric, Progress Land, uh, the State of Illinois, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, and a PepsiCo slash UNICEF, It's a Small World. Uh, though the Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln attraction opens a few weeks later on May 2nd. Uh, more than 51 million people attend the 1964 World's Fair. Uh, I wanted to add like lots more stuff about when attractions happened and when they moved and all this stuff, but I couldn't find very much, so I gave you what, <laughs> what I got. Uh, but the, there, I'm sure there's uh, uh, a whole you know years worth of episodes on the World's Fair that could happen. Anyway, I'm not done with this. I'm talking in the middle of it. Uh, other notable events of 1964. On April 15th, Disney lawyer Robert Foster leaves New York bound for Florida to begin land purchases for Disney. He uses the name Robert Price to keep his identity secret. Uh, Walt Disney begins developing concepts for the Epcot Center in 1964. And on September 14th, U.S. President Lyndon Johnson presents Walt Disney with a Presidential Medal of Freedom for a Lifetime of Achievement. Uh, birthdays in 1964. January 7th, Nicholas Cage. March 7th, Wanda Sykes. March 16th, Gore Verbinski. April 25th, Hank Azaria. June 19th, Bill Beretta. June 23rd, Joss Whedon. September 2nd, Keanu Reeves. October 9th, Guillermo del Toro. November 14th, Patrick Warburton. And November 29th, Don Cheadle. Um, and I'm adding a new section to this, which is kind of a sad section. This is the uh, notable deaths of 1964 with uh, Mouseketeer, adult Mouseketeer Jimmy Dodd passing away in 1964. Uh, and on that low note, I guess we will end uh, Great Moments with uh, Mr. Andrew for the years 1963 and 1964. Well, we'll pivot a little bit on that one because pivot. 63 I'm and 64, I, yeah, 63 and 64 were some of the biggest years in the Disney company. You know, there's uh, mm -hmm. always ebbs and flows, right? They were going into the World's right. Fair, but the purchase of the plane, I think, in 63 was one of my favorite things that happened. Um, that plane we got to see at the, at the last D23 Expo. It was mm -hmm. super cool getting a chance to see it on display. It was restored. The plane uh, was nicknamed Mickey Mouse One. And so it served as Walt's plane for a lot of different projects. But what people may not know is that it continued to serve as an executive plane for years after Walt passed away, including transporting different artists, you know, from location to location. And it actually didn't take its last flight until I want to say in the 90s. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it was like October 92, 93 or something like that, that it took its last flight. It, then it just kind of landed in Florida and it just kind of sat there for a really long time until the they restoration put it on the project. Lot yeah, yeah. Until the restoration the project, mm -hmm. you know, not too long ago. 
who did the the restoration? Was it Amazon that paid for the restoration? They paid for yes, it was like I think Amazon Prime or something. It was so that. crazy, yeah. But you know they did it and it looked beautiful. It was on display in uh, the one of the big halls at D twenty three, the arena, and, uh, the arena, right in the arena section. And now I believe it is at a museum in L A somewhere where the interior is being restored. Yeah, so, that'll be nice. That'll I be, hope that at yes. some point they allow you to. I hope they find a way to cover things in plastic like they have with other aircrafts so that you can walk mm-hmm. inside of it and actually tour the inside. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a separate ticket price, but they'll they'll make it. Oh, I it. well, I totally do it. Yeah. I I would love to but tour yeah, the totally. inside of that plane. Yeah. But yeah, but you're it's, saying like it's in this, Palm Springs, yeah. I think. The Palm Springs Air yes, Museum. Yes, that sounds is where it's right. At. Yes, yeah. that sounds right. But yeah, this these years are huge. I mean, 1964 is just such like it's gotta be like for Walt era Walt Disney Company, it is probably the biggest year with, you know, Mary Poppins and the World's Fair and the plane and just everything. I mean, just think about the attractions that what what was developed for the World's Fair that then turned into all these other things. I mean, if you think about it, I didn't even talk about it like Pirates of the Caribbean is starting to be developed now. Haunted yeah. Mansion is starting to be developed mm-hmm. now. Like all these things, Walt Disney World is is being developed now. It th- this is a huge year. There's so many things that I couldn't cover. I couldn't, you know, find great. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is just in books, and you know, it, that's not very easy to research when I don't own the book. <laughs> so. Um, I do. I I did get the Imagineering story book uh, just recently, so now I have a big book that the like biggest book on the planet to uh, do some research on, and hopefully that'll help my future endeavors. But for this week, it did not. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about off air is. Uh, you know, future episodes and things that we want to bring back and things that we want to do. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot is the history episodes, right? Where we dedicate an entire episode to the history of something, because as Disney, as Disney nerds, it's one of our favorite things that we get an opportunity to do, but they take a lot of time to develop and, you know, write Mm -hmm. and, you know, figure out what we want to do. The research and and everything always takes a long time. Uh, So on, on the board for this year, obviously, we have the idea to bring those back. And I know we've talked about the World's Fair, and I know we've talked about it when we talked about like some of the Imagineer stories and stuff. But mm-hmm. the World's Fair, I think, is just something that we can dedicate an episode or two on and just talk about everything that went on, all the little stories that we can find. Because you're right, everything was being developed and the innovation that just came from it, you know, we take it for granted now, but the little things like the Omnimover system that they developed for the Ford Pavilion that became a cornerstone for things like the Haunted Mansion were all developed for the World's Fair, right? So I, I, I think we can dedicate an episode or two to everything that happened at the World's Fair, and we still wouldn't have enough time to talk about all the cool stuff. There's yes, yeah. there's there's tomes worth of of content and and information out there. It's just finding it. Um, yeah. And and the fair ran it would ran for two years. So it was it was 
all of like I think it was like eight months in '64 and eight months in '65. Um, so there's two years of the fair running with with all this stuff in there. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I didn't even bring up the Tower of the Four Winds and all this other oh, stuff that, yeah. you know, there's so just so much um, stuff that like I'm sure I'll talk about it next week. But a lot of people say, you know, well, Lincoln was moved from the World's Fair to Disneyland, but the, I'll just debunk that right now. It is not true. The because Lincoln, I believe, was installed in Disneyland in 1965 while the World's Fair was, was still going, going on. on. So yeah. they built a second Lincoln and a second everything for Disneyland. That's what now the Carousel of Progress, it's a small world, Daddy out of the dinosaurs, those all came over. But Lincoln is a completely different one from the world's fair Lincoln that I mean, and now it's very much different. Than the yeah. One that's, uh, the current one is very much a, a newer Lincoln, but I'll probably forget and I'll talk about it next week anyway, but uh, there it is a little early. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. I'm so excited about the next segment that's coming. And like I said, I think this is definitely one that we're going to dedicate at least an episode or two to talk about because there's just so much cool stuff that came out of the world's fair that it deserves its own episode. So look forward to that coming uh, sometime this year. I know that that seems like a broad amount of time, but like I said, they take a lot of time to research and, you know, we want to make sure that we learn something and we give you something that you can walk away with and nerd out on and impress your friends with whenever you're in the parks or talking your Disney trivia and history. So that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, anything else before we close it out for today? I don't think so. I think it's time to get hit the road, Jack. I don't know. I was trying to do <laughs> something clever. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's going to wrap it up until next time. Keep dreaming. Keep moving forward. And always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. See ya. Part of the Podcasters Network.